Psalm 34 is where we're going to start this morning. We are continuing our series in the Psalms. Just such a beautiful, authentic picture of life with God as you can find any human emotion in the Psalms. All the highs, all the lows, all the in-betweens, the psalmists bring it to God in authentic conversation. Such an important picture of authentic relationship with God. That God wants all of us. He wants to meet us where we're at. He wants us to meet Him where we're at. So we've been looking at all sorts of different emotions that the writers bring, that they put down in their journal entries, if you will, their prayers. That's what the psalm started as. They were put to music and then sung. This morning we're going to look at uh, one of the most hopeful and exciting emotions and, and pieces of the psalms we see, which is worship. <laughs> it's good news. We're made to worship, as Ryan just prayed. I liked his language there, part of the, the atoms. It's in our DNA. Human beings are created to worship. That's like an undeniable truth. You can look all over the world, across cultures, across generations and time spans. Everybody, every culture, tongue, tribe, and nation has found something to worship. We want to worship. We long to worship. But what you worship matters. <laughs> you can worship the wrong thing, and it can be devastatingly destructive to your soul. So let's look here, Psalm 34, verses 1 to 3, as we begin today. I will bless the Lord at all times, all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Man, those first three verses, that is a mandate to worship. That is David declaring that worship is an absolute core value and way of life for him. It is not a fringe issue. It's not a, a once in a while thing. It's not a maybe when I come to church a little bit on Sundays. It's absolutely worship is a key part of answering life's biggest questions. Like, why am I here? What, what is my purpose? Why do I exist? How do I respond to the various challenges of life? The biblical narrative all throughout Scripture, culminating in Revelation, where everyone is just before the throne of God saying, worthy is the Lamb. That's worship. 
The picture throughout Scripture is that worship is an absolutely central part to who we are as God's created, beloved children. So when we're trying to orient ourselves in life and we're asking those, those big questions of kind of like, which we do every day subconsciously, sometimes and sometimes consciously, that question of how do I respond to life right now? What do I do with life? What, what ought be my posture? I'll give you a, a, a little secret. You could probably never go wrong with your answer being worship. How am I supposed to respond in these hard times? Worship. How am I supposed to respond in these good times? Worship. How am I supposed to respond when I'm confused and disoriented? Worship. How am I supposed to respond when that breakthrough comes and I'm just overly joyed and full of gratitude? Worship. How am I supposed to respond when that breakthrough isn't coming and I'm waiting? Worship. It's all over the Psalms. Those emotions and that response. Worship is a way of life according to God's word. And I believe God just wants to bless us this morning with a, just a further strengthening of our identity that says, I am a worshiper. What should I do right now in life? Worship. Things are going good, I worship. Things are going bad, I worship. I'm frustrated right now, I worship. And just, I believe God's wanting to seal in our hearts that it just becomes more instinctual. In our, our reaction to life is, I'm going to worship. And we're not talking about just singing in church. Though that is great, <laughs> and we love it. And we're not talking necessarily about singing at all, although that is great and we love it. We're talking about this biblical picture where worship is fixing our attention and our affection on adoring and praising and thanking God for who he is in his character, his nature, what he's done in his actions and what he's gonna do in his promises and that right there is enough fuel to fill our thoughts all the time that we are worshipers so what happens in our thoughts and in our words and in our song and in our conversation and ultimately in our actions is worship worship is the privileged way of life for a child of God. Let's look here at a few more Psalms where, man, do they get excited about living out this way of life as a worshiper. It's clearly part of the identity. Who are you? Man, I'm a worshiper. God wants to just further just embed that. I'm a worshiper. It's just what I do. You might have to get out of my way <laughs> if you don't want to be a part of it because it's part of who I am. Psalm 146, 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. If I still got breath, I'm going to be praising God. Psalm 147, 1 to 7. And I lost half the scripture, so let's pick it up in verse 6. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Lord, with thanksgiving, make melody to our God on the lyre. How did verse 1 start? Praise the Lord. Interestingly, the last five psalms, 46, 47, 146, 147, 148, 149, 150, all starts, verse 1, the exact same phrase. What is it? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah to Yahweh. That's the word. Halal. Hallelujah in the Hebrew. Praise the Lord. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his heavenly hosts. Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Because you know what God's done? What God has done in your life doesn't mean he's done in your life. So he wants to birth a new song. So anybody who says, yeah, I'm done, you're not at the party that the Lord has. <laughs> he's constantly wanting to birth a new song. Why? Because he's not done yet. His praise is in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. And Psalm 150 Let's do the whole thing. We'll get crazy. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So there's what he's done. There's his character and nature. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Man, we got work to do. We don't have any of this stuff. <laughs> Praise him with tambourine and dance. Although Ryan does play the saxophone, I've heard. So come on, Ryan. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him, not that kind of pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Tommy, amen, brother. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's the very last word in the Psalms. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's about worship. What is a primary way I'm supposed to be filling my time, my effort, my energy, my focus, my thoughts? Right here. It's worship. Worship is a main part of who you are supposed to be. This is identity. This is being. This is creation. It's not simply something you do for a little while and then go back to being something. This is who you are meant to be. I am. You are. We are created to be worshipers. So adoring, praising, 
thanking God for who he is, what he's done, you see it all throughout the Psalms, and what he's going to do is an absolute necessity. It's a part of a spiritual rhythm in our life that we're created for. It's as necessary as inhaling and exhaling is to breathing. I mean, let's think about this for a moment. Worship is to our spiritual life, our spiritual health, as exhaling is to breathing. In other words, if you're not doing it, you're, you're, you're not really living. We are created to inhale the majesty of God, to breathe in, to see, to drink. The Bible uses all these different sensory descriptions to, to help us show that we're meant to encounter God. It's not just a set of beliefs while God's way out there. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is encounter language. So we're meant to breathe it in, inhale, taste, see the majesty of God, the goodness, the power, the love, the beauty, the creativity, the brilliance, the provision, the protection, the forgiveness, that free identity, the grace, etc., on and on. Life is meant to be, as worshipers, that we encounter these things. We inhale them spiritually, if you will, and then we what? We exhale praise, thanksgiving, gratitude, joy, surrender, peace, hope, and we just let it out in worship to God. That is an aspect of how we've been created to be alive. If you're not doing that, you are not fully alive. Breathing in the goodness of God and exhaling worship. It's how you spiritually stay alive and become more fully alive. God created us in this beautiful way where God gets the glory in worship and we become more fully alive as we worship. Let's go a little deeper into Psalm 34 to, to see it here. Verse 1, I bless the Lord at all times. There's the lifestyle. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's a way of life for him. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. We're going to pause here. Let's, let's dig in. Let's drill down for a moment. There's some incredible words in here that we miss. we got to spend a little more time. Okay. I will bless the Lord at all times. Awesome. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That word for praise is where we get the word hallelujah. It's the word halal in the Hebrew. And the root of it means shine. It's a picture of light. Hebrew is, is like the Asian languages where the, the, 
the, the word carries a picture. It's, it's beautiful. There's an artistry behind it where there's a whole picture associated. So this, this original word comes from a, a pictogram, a drawing, where there's, it looks like someone with, with their hands raised up. And that eventually became the letters. It's fascinating. It's super cool. But it's the sense of someone who's, who's looking towards or drawn to the light. Praise is how we ultimately translate it. So, okay, that's making sense, right? God's the light. We see that that's all throughout Scripture. That's a very biblical uh, picture, image of God. God is our source of light, truth, etc. So praise is this, we're, we're are oriented towards the light. We're seeing the light. That's awesome. Then verse 2 where it says, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Interesting translation. It's actually the same word. My soul halal in the Lord. My soul shines in the Lord. So verse 1 and 2, it's actually the same verb. One of them is about how it's towards God, halal, one of it is how it affects us, halal. And it's the same thing. It's my praise is continually on your lips, so my boast, my soul's boast will be in the Lord. Or you could legitimately translate it like this. When you praise the light, you will shine the light. Think about what's happening in worship. When you glorify God, you come fully alive. When you praise the light, your soul will shine light. Remember Moses in the tent? What happened? When he came back, he was radiating the glory of God. I thought he went in there to worship. Yes. That's, what's ha that's what happens to the, the human body, mind, and spirit. When you worship God, when you encounter God, when you praise him, you start to shine him. So Moses is a perfect example of this verse. So let's get in there and keep worshiping so we can start glowing. More. You're already glowing. More. And it's confirmed in this psalm. Verse 5, what does it say? Those who look to him are dreary. Because you're just following the rules. If so, you're missing the point. Those who look to him are radiant. You shine. That is, that is your God-created gift. <laughs> don't, be, don't be, you know, sad or, or, or ashamed for shining. You're meant to shine. It's encountering God is meant to have an effect on you where you are radiant. And actually, verse 5 goes on to say, their faces, their countenance shall never be ashamed. 
Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse 8 goes on. When you praise the light, when you encounter the light, you will shine the light. God's created order is that you are made to be radiant through encountering him. He gets the glory and you get the joy. You get to be fully alive. Come on, who, who doesn't feel deep inside like, I want to be fully alive? I mean, that's not a bad desire. It's not holy to be like, I just want to kind of feel uh, despair today because uh, somehow that'll do something to where God gets glory. No. You want to be fully alive. You want to be radiant. And God's saying, good. I made you for that, and I'm the solution. I mean, we're getting down to things about our purpose. It's, it's not inappropriate to say worship is your purpose. Worship is the end goal toward which our relationship with God is growing and going. Worship is the goal of where life is heading. The last five psalms that we pointed out, Psalm 146 to 50, have the exact same phrase that they start with, praise the Lord. Shine, hallelujah, to the Lord. And my question is, is that a coincidence that the last five psalms say, praise the Lord? Is it a coincidence that the psalms culminate with five in a row just saying, come on, let's worship? I don't think so. I believe the psalms are divinely inspired in their order and by God's Holy Spirit-led intention, the last five culminate in worship because that's the message of where your life is meant to be heading. Go with me for a moment here. The Psalms are a picture of authentic relationship with God, right? We've said that. So let me give you a real brief outline of the Psalms. 1 through 150. Here we go. Take some notes. It's going to be a while. Just kidding. Watch this abbreviation. Psalm 1 starts and says, Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but whose meditation is on the law of the Lord day and night. So there's an important start. To start life with God, you have to make a choice that says, I am turning away from evil, and I am turning toward God, and I'm saying, I want my entire worldview, my entire being, every thought that I have to be taken captive by the truth of who God is. So I need to make God's truth, God's word, my meditation day and night so that I'm not captive to lies of the enemy. And so that's a process. I want to go through life with Psalm 1 as my 
as my mindset. There is a battle for my mind, and this is hugely important, that I want to meditate on the truth of who God is, the Word of God, day and night, so that I can increasingly get set free by the truth of who Jesus is. That's, that's the start of the Psalms. Psalms 2 through 145 are a big hot mess of emotions all over the place. If we want to be honest, every single human emotion, the highs, the lows, the I love you, God, too. Where are you, God? You forgot me. You broke your promises. Oh, my enemies are successful. Oh, I'm so envious of the rich. Oh, I love you, God. Thank you again. I mean, he, the, it's true. I mean, just take them for what they're worth. It's a hot mess of human emotions. And I love it because it says this is authentic life with God. So you've got get the truth Get the truth right. It's okay to be a hot mess along the way. But where do we want to finish? We want to finish. Where do we want to grow into? Who do we want to become? Worshippers, worshippers, worshippers. It's where life is meant to be headed. It's the goal. It's the purpose. It's when we arrive there, there's no next step. When we arrive, Psalm 146 to 150, it stops there because that's where heaven stops. It doesn't say, okay, now that you've arrived and you are just worshiping God in full spirit and in truth, unhindered, no veil, no, no dark glass you know, dimly. It's just face to face and you're worshiping. Psalm stops because revelation stops. It doesn't say, okay, you've arrived there and now here's your next step of maturity. You're done. Worship is the goal. It's where we're headed. It's where life is meant to be going. It's what we're created for. I mean, the central point of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus came to enable us to fulfill our destiny, which is worship God with the veil torn. Nothing holding us back. Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. Let's read it so you know I'm not making it up. But when Christ appeared... As the high priest of the good things that have come through the greater and more perfect tent, the one not made with human hands. So we're talking about the temple and the tabernacle, the old covenant. So Jesus is constantly called the, the author and creator of the new and better covenant. It says the old covenant was but a shadow. The law was but a shadow of the good things to come in Christ Jesus. This is all Hebrews. So Christ appeared now through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with human hands, that is not of this creation, meaning humans didn't create it. You is what he's talking about. The temple that you are now, that Paul talks about. We are the temple of the living God. So he entered, Jesus entered once for all into the holy place. So this is behind the veil, right? This is the picture of the temple where we were not worthy to go. We couldn't be with God face to face. Couldn't handle it. Couldn't worship. It was too much. So Jesus entered once for all into the holy place, not by means, by the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, then thus securing an eternal redemption. 
For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify them for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will that purify our conscience from dead works, you don't have to perform, in order to worship the living God? Yeah, that's what Jesus came to do, to cut through all of those various elements, and they were many that would keep you from fulfilling your destiny to simply be a face-to-face worshiper of God. Jesus, Jesus makes it possible now, and it's just supposed to get better and better into eternity. It's where we're headed. Let's close with a couple real practical things and then we're going to close with a worship song. Two very human elements to this. Because at Elevation Church, we are all about being real with God and not pretending that we have it all together. So there are some incredible news that we've talked about today. But let's, let's not pretend that we're all there, we've arrived. We're in Psalm 146 to 50 every day. Nah, come on. We're in like 47, hot mess most of the time. You know, <laughs> it's okay. So let's just be real on a couple things. Psalm 34, 1 to 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Let's just point out the reality. This is David making his declaration that worship is a choice. Worship is a discipline. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times, all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. That's a declaration to train his mind. That is a discipline that he is sharing with us that he is committing to. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's an invitation into community and accountability. See, this is David doing his part to live out his purpose. He knows he's made to worship. He loves to worship, but there's a battle going on, like there is for all of us. He knows God has created him to worship, and it is meant to be a way of life, our purpose, our goal, but that doesn't take our part out of it, that we have a part to play, to walk it out, to train our mind, to see these values that God has put for us, to see these, these possibilities, this destiny that Christ makes possible, but there is absolutely still our part to take every thought captive. To allow that identity to sink in when the nitty-gritty hits and things are hard and things aren't going your way and you're confused and you're having a bad day or a bad month and the breakthrough's not coming, are you trained in your mind to stop and worship? Or do you stay there and spiral? 
So that's what David is getting at. We've got to be making our part as a declaration, as a commitment, as a discipline. Train ourselves to stop that, that fleshly reaction that starts just getting negative and getting complaining and getting whining and getting self-pity and getting beat down. Some of it's very real. And for good reason, we can go down those roads. But the Bible says, but you can recognize, not saying problems aren't real, but it says, okay, recognize they're real, pray on it, get counsel, get God's word, but don't forget, get to worship. Let me give you an example. Psalm 13, 1 to 6. This is David having a rough time. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, ha ha, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. That's a bad day. It's a bad month. That's a hard place to be. But it's human. We've all been there. We'll all probably be there. I don't say that. I don't want to. It's not a curse. It's just reality. We'll all probably be there. Those feelings. Part of this stuff is real. Part of this stuff is not correct. God never forgets his children. David feels that way. When Jesus says, I will be with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. I've written you on the palm of my hands. The lion of Judah who's returning has written us on his thigh. He's done. He went to the cross. He, he dropped out of heaven and went through hell. Trust me, I don't think he forgot what that was about. He never forgets you. But in the moment, it's okay to express that feeling to God, that you feel like that's what's going on. But he catches himself before the psalm is over, and he says, wait a minute. I'm a worshiper. I know what I'm created to do. I know where I'm going. I may not be there today, but I know where I'm headed. I may not feel it in the moment, but I know where I'm supposed to end up, so let's do this. Verse 5, but... I have trusted in your hesed, your steadfast love. That's a picture, we talked about a Friday night at Awaken, of a mighty rushing river that can't be stopped. And your job is to just find your way to get in the river. His steadfast love doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on you trying to wake up God or get his attention, or say, hey, I'm over here. Have you forgotten me? It's a steadfast, roaring river that cannot be stopped. So David catches himself. He reminds himself who he is and where he's going. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That's how you get yourself out of the pit. You remember who he is, 
what he's done and where you're heading. It's worship. It is the answer to so many things in life. Let's pray on this and let's finish with a song of worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are created to worship. We thank you for the joy, the life, the light, the vibrancy, the abundance, the radiance, the flourishing that happens in our soul when we see you, when we taste you, when we encounter you. We can say with Psalm 63, Lord, that when we taste your love, it is better than anything else in life. And comparatively, this world is a dry and weary land compared to dwelling in your presence. And so we can say with David, Psalm 27, for one thing we ask, one thing we seek after, that we can dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. Lord, may your spirit empower us to be worshipers. Make it that, that primal instinct that reflects our God-given identity and destiny that it just becomes natural to where in any and every situation, our response, especially when we're down in the pit, is, wait a second, I'm made to worship. What's the solution right now? Worship. To see your face so that I can shine again. And in the midst of it all, you are glorified as you are due. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would make us into these kind of worshipers. Make us into this kind of church. Make us into these kind of people, Lord. What a beautiful destiny. What a beautiful picture of what we're created for. We say, we want more of that. To be worshipped all the time. Holy Spirit, we ask that you move right now. Seal these things in our hearts. Awaken them in our hearts. Our hearts. Take it deeper. Make it more real. We surrender ourselves to you and say only you can make it happen. We want to be worshipers. So we pray, Holy Spirit, you make it happen today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And until that day that we fully see you face to face, may we grow as shining worshipers.